What's up, everybody? This is Word of a Rebel, and I gotta be honest with y'all. A couple episodes back, I said that I was gonna talk again about one of the more subtle forms of racism, but you know what? That's just not on my heart and not on my mind right now. I'm too busy trying to focus on economic advancement and improvement. We do need to continue that conversation, however, so in a future episode, I will return to that topic because the subtle form of racism does need to be unpacked. Uh, I do encourage you to check out that episode called Unpacking Unpacking the Children of Racism, where I start talking about one of the more subtle forms of racism and how it has widespread impact. Because a lot of liberals don't recognize that they still act on um, tendencies that were taught to them culturally as a result of a racist system so that they themselves don't feel like they're racist. And so, and technically they really aren't, but we really do have to have that conversation about the ways that they put out racist oppression without realizing it. And that's why that conversation is important. So be sure to check out on iTunes, Apple Pod, um, sorry, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor app. You can check out the episode called Unpacking the Children of Racism to get more on that conversation. It is a necessary one. Be sure to share it with your white allies. Share it with people that are assholes, whatever the case may be. They need to be educated. They need to have the behavior called out. So that's the only way that we're going to probably have improvement is really if we just simply call it out, be honest about what it is. Um, so that people can start monitoring their own behavior so that I, I put that episode together because instead of us constantly having to say and educate them on like this is why this is a problem every time they do something just send them that episode just send it to them be like look something you did bothered me I don't feel like talking about it listen to this press play just send them the episode real talk it's called unpacking the children of racism go ahead and do that so having that out of the way Let's go ahead and talk about economic advancement. As I have said many times, I consider myself a financial activist because activism and social improvement have um, various, you know, you could call it battlefronts or various parts of society in which people are working in. The area that I'm currently working is in is the financial activism because every time I went into a space where we were working on something that was community-based or like you know, social improvement, progress, you know, whatever the case may be, whether it was a protest, whether it was education. It, every time I look at the situation, one thing that I always went back to is that people who are not economically empowered have a harder time. Bottom line. Now, we definitely should never stop protesting, making sure our voices are heard. We should always make sure that we go out there and we vote. We should make sure that we call our congressmen and let them know what we think and what we, you know, that we watching them and that we're monitoring every little thing that they do because that is a part of our power. So we can call them and say, look, this is how I want you to vote. Don't play with me. You know, um, you, we do have to do that and we do have to make our voices heard. Absolutely. Without a doubt. But one of the things that I definitely recognize, uh, you know, through doing work in activism and volunteering and everything else is that economic empowerment is a major facet of the movement. And so that's the part that I'm trying to focus on presently. Um, I mentioned in a previous episode, my struggle with student loans when my student loans were in default and what that did to me, um, honestly, an emotional level, like it was affecting my ability to do anything with credit. Um, it actually literally prevented me from getting a job that would have helped me pay off the student loan because the job that I was going for, the pay was like 
substantial. Um, and it would have been more than I needed. And so I would have been able to pay off those student loans. But having those student loans in default um, prevented me from getting that job because that employer in particular pulled that. And that was like one of their things. They were like, no, like we can't hire you because of that. Um, and the way that I know that it was the student loans in particular is because I had already been offered the job. I had already um, started filling out the paperwork for the job. Um, and they had not they had not done their mandatory credit check yet. I didn't even know what particular things on the credit check they were going to look for. So I didn't even know to tell them, like, hey, this is a thing. Um, they just were like, yeah, you got the job, fill it out, hiring paperwork, put in my two weeks notice. And then they called back and they were like, well, uh, corporate offices have said that we can't hire you because your student loans are in default. Um, so that, you know, that's the kind of economic struggle that I, you know, I, that was one of the things that was an economic struggle for me. Um, but so I do recognize and understand, like, we do face struggle. There's definitely also some elements of discrimination and oppression that still rear their ugly heads at times, but there's definitely ways to get around it. And that's what I'm here for. That's what financial activism is. Financial activism points out the struggles and the challenges and the oppression, but doesn't bow down to it. Financial activism says, this is a hurdle. Let me give you a sledgehammer so you can knock that heifer down. That's what financial activism is about. And that's what I'm here for. So if you're interested in learning how to work with your current financial situation to get to a goal, just definitely reach out and holler at me. Let's go ahead and talk about these student loans, though, because that is something that's affecting a lot of people. I'm going to go into other topics. So if you don't have student loans and if your student loans aren't in default, continue to listen, because after I finish up the wrap up about student loans, I am going to go on to um, other financial topics and things that I've learned um, from my own experience and from other experiences. But first, we're going to focus on the student loans. So a lot of people are either behind or in default with their student loans and they basically, you know, I was at that point where I was just like throwing my hands up. It was that burdensome for me because I didn't make enough to pay to make payments on them. Right. And I really was feeling like I'm never going to get out of the situation. I'm never going to be able to get my credit score up. I just was at a state of frustration and just giving up. So if you're feeling like that, I, I feel you. I was there. Um, it's painful to be like I'm trapped under this, but it is doable to get out from that situation uh, basically the first thing that you want to do is you want to call your um not call well you want to call your your servicer a loan servicer but the first thing you need to do is you actually need to look it up so go to finaid.gov um, look up who's servicing your loan you'll basically you'll just sign into the system put in your info and all that that website does for you is just says this is your loan amount and this is who has the loan presently. Um, that way you can find out who you have to contact. Uh, don't be afraid. Don't be intimidated. You have rights. Okay. So when you call them, there are certain legislations that were put in place during the Obama administration that continue to be protective. Let's hope and pray that they stay protective. Um, basically take advantage of it. Now we, we hope current, administration doesn't affect it but as of now it's still in place you can call them and say you either need an income-based repayment plan or you can also ask for a hardship repayment plan the hardship repayment plan could be as low as five dollars a month um, you will have to um, tell them what your income is and what your expenses are um, I'm trying to remember if at the beginning of it if I had to submit any evidence of it I don't 
I don't recall having to submit any evidence. I just basically said, this is my rent. This is my light bill. This is my cell phone. This is my car note. This is my car insurance. Um, if you have to submit anything, just shoot. Like, send them a copy of the bill. I mean, hey, <clears throat> if you need access to a scanner, if you don't have one at work, head over to Office Depot, um, scan the stuff, and send it to yourself. Send it to them by email. Most of them are willing to work with you by email, which is great. We don't have to worry about fax machines anymore. Uh, you can scan your bills if they need eco income or you know economic proof, right? Um, and they will basically approve you for hardship or income-based repayment plans, which will be, um, you'll be able to budget within that. If you feel that, like the hardship repayment plan is really, really super cheap. But if you end up on the income-based repayment plan and you feel that it's still too much, you can let them know. Say, look, I'm willing to pay, but not that amount. And then you tell them an amount that you can manage. Now, some of you may be asking, why do I even pay them anything? What's the benefit for me? Well, if you need credit or financing for anything in the future, um, it helps you. Basically, you're investing in your future ability to do that, to use credit to make money, to use credit to advance your situation. On the other side of it, as I mentioned, um, there are some employers that it could affect whether or not you can get that job. So maybe right now your current employer is like, whatever, I don't care. But what if you decided that you wanted to go to a different department or go to a different you know, location, whatever the case may be? Maybe it might end up being an issue for you. All I'm saying is that going ahead and addressing it does have benefits. But at the end of the day, if you don't want to, just don't. But if you do want to, go for it. Go to, uh, online, look up your servicer first, contact them, act, ask them about the hardship repayment option first. Hardship repayment option first, because that is the cheapest one. If you make too much to get approved for that, then go for the income-based repayment plan. And if what they tell you is too much, tell them, I can't pay that, but I can pay you this lesser amount. Majority of the time, they're going to approve that. And then basically, you just make those payments, okay? Um, for me personally, what that meant was that I was trying at the time um, to get into grad school and... I didn't need a lot of money for this grad school program because I, I, you know, I have a situation where I was able to get a discount. I wanted to go, why do I get a discount? But basically I get a discount, but I still did need some financial aid in order to attain grad school. Uh, so I was in a hurry to try to get um, my, my student loans back into good standing. So I asked them for the accelerated hardship repayment plan. What that meant was that within six to nine months of paying $5 a month, all of my student loans were brought back into good standing. They were no longer in default. They were all into good standing. Um, and I was able to apply to get financial aid to cover the cost, the expenses that I couldn't cover for myself in grad school. Um, I was only going back to grad school because I knew that I would get a raise if I finished um, a master's degree where I, you know, with my employer. So I had a method behind it is what I'm saying. Um, you might not need the accelerated one, but if you want it, uh, like I said, um, you'll get all of your student loans back into good standing within six to nine months. So why do that? Well, your student loans, uh, as much as we hate them, if you make any type of consistent payment uh, on them, they are a massive improvement to your credit score. I can't even like impress upon you how high your credit score will jump if you just get your student loans back into good standing. It's a major improvement. Um, I had gone from having a 585 
um, to having a 695 to a 700 within a year. It was crazy. And part of that was getting those student loans back into good standing. Um, there were other factors, and those are things that you can learn in my credit education episodes, um, but that was a major part of it. So if you have not yet done this, get your student loans under control. Um, tell them what you can pay each month and pay that. As long as you're paying something consistently, that's all that your student loan servicer really wants. Okay, so you're doing that. You're getting your credit back into place. So um, that goes as far as, you know, like I said, you can, you can use credit to finance business. You can use credit to finance real estate investment. Um, you could use this to make sure that your credit net doesn't block you from getting better employment. There's other, you know, benefits of this. But now let's talk about other forms of economic investment like passive income. So we're going to set aside student loans, moving on to passive income. Uh, there are many, many ways that people can make passive income. I had a former student of mine hit me up and ask this question. Uh, what is your advice about passive income? And I answered him with a question. I said, well, it really depends on what you're good at, because what I suggest to you is going to be based on your skills, your knowledge uh, and the time investment that you can put in, because there's a lot of opportunity for passive income. For example, you can actually sell sound effect files on the website called Pond5, P-O-N-D-5. Look that up. Look at the sound effect option. This is one that a lot of people can do easily. Um, there's some other types of media that you can sell there, but to be honest, I think the sound effects is probably the easiest one. You can record the audio either on a cell phone or what I have, which is an audio recorder. Um, and you can just record various sounds. People are always looking for sound effects. You can record rain. You can record your hand brushing up against a wall. You can record footsteps, various types of footsteps, fast ones, slow ones, heavy ones, light ones, heels, you know, work boots. Um, and then you upload the files of these various sounds, even dogs barking, cats making noise, whatever the hell, birds singing. Um, and then basically on Pond5, you can upload these audio files and people go to the website and they buy them, right? So that's something that's pretty easy to do. Um, and so almost anybody can do that. But there's various other ones. There's also the Amazon Affiliates program. So if you have a social media, if you have a website, um, you can sign up to be uh, an Amazon affiliate and you can pick and choose the items you want to promote. If a person clicks your link, and buys anything on Amazon, you get a commission from Amazon for those purchases. So let's say, for example, you share a link on your Facebook uh, from your Amazon affiliate account, and the link is to a particular um, backpack, let's say, for example, because you feel that you know a lot of people with kids uh, or a lot of people who do hiking, uh, and you feel like backpacks are a thing people would be interested in. So you post the link, you say something about it, whatever it is, and then somebody on your, you know, Instagram or Facebook, whatever, Twitter, they click the link and they go to Amazon. They see the, the backpack that you've promoted, but they decide they don't want that backpack. Maybe they decide to buy a different backpack. Because they accessed Amazon through your link, you get the commission for anything they purchase, okay? What if a second person goes through your link and decides... 
they don't they end up not wanting to get a backpack at all the person was just intrigued by the backpack but then they see something else um that pops up in amazon as they're there you still get a commission that's the great thing about the amazon affiliate program um i'm mentioning these because i feel like they are the most broad and easily accessible for a lot of people you can easily record audio and upload audio files to pond five to sell sound effects you can very easily just post like you already do on any social media platform with a link. Now, of course, on Instagram, it becomes a little bit harder because you can only really post a clickable link in your Instagram bio. I feel like Facebook and Twitter are probably easier as well as websites um, for giving people your direct link and having them click it. So that's something to look at with, with the Instagram option. But nevertheless... You can always put it in your Instagram bio. People do click those links. Um, and as long as you sell at least one thing every six months, your Amazon affiliate account stays open and active. Um, so you or a friend of yours could actually go ahead and keep it open for yourself if it's not being utilized. But hey, you know, if you promote it right, if you're really consistent, you could actually make a considerable considerable amount of money on commissions from Amazon. Uh, so Pond5 Pond five sound effects, Amazon affiliate program are two of the easiest um, methods of passive income that I know from digital methods. A more complicated one, which is why I said time investment, time availability is a major factor when I give people advice on passive income. You, this one takes more time. It's called Udemy. U-D-E-M-Y. So Udemy is a platform for people to give lessons and, um, and, and purchase lessons. Basically, you put together a, a lesson on anything that you have knowledge on and you upload it to the Udemy website and people search and then they basically pay you for your um, classes. You can promote them yourself. Udemy can promote them for you. They're you know immediately searchable. People will access it. But the setup for each class is probably going to take you about three hours to be honest, just for you to get one class up. The great thing, though, is that after you invest those three hours into creating a class, that class stays available and makes you unlimited amount of income. Uh, Now, I'll be honest with you, uh, it may take a little while to start getting income from it. You really have to push it and promote it. You have to find something that you're really good at. You have to craft the lessons well. That's why I said this one takes a little bit more time. Um, so if you're into that, you want to teach, you think you can, you think you can do that, go for it. Um, you can teach people things like, um, programming, for example, you could teach how to cook something. Um, you could teach a math lesson. Um, you could teach, um, you know, human resources things. Um, you could even teach someone how to assemble furniture. I'm not kidding you. Like basically anything that you're good at, you can make a lesson and put it on Udemy. Okay, they do have quality guidelines. So like I said, this one does require more time. So you have to kind of look at it and be like, okay, what kind of video quality do they need? How many minutes, you know? Um, But honestly, I think it is worth it. You know, I put, I have classes on Udemy um, and I've had a few students, you know, I haven't really pushed it a lot, but I've had a few students. And so I think that if I push it more, I could definitely make a lot more income from that. So I've given you three forms of passive income. If anybody out there um, would like more ideas, um, give me a shout out. I'll do a special episode dedicated just to those that reach out to me at Word of a Rebel. 
um, let me know, like, how much time could you invest in passive income, right? Like, how much time investment per month? Just think about per month. Because a lot of passive income things, um, you're going to do something like maybe like once or twice a month, right? Uh, some of them you're going to need more than that, though. So let me know how many hours a month could you invest into passive income, okay? What are your skill sets, and then I'll, I won't name you if you don't want me to, but I'll say, you know, the first person told me they can invest 10 hours and they're good at this thing and that thing. Uh, and this is my advice to that person. Go ahead and shout out, you know, send me a message at Word of a Rebel. Let me know what you're good at. How much time can you put in? And I'll put together an episode where I give you specific ideas. The ones from this episode are pretty broad. So almost anyone can use them. But passive income is a major way to uh, generate extra money into your pocket. Now, personally, because I'm all about growth of your economics and, and developing the lifestyle that you want, my first story to you is, if you don't need to spend that money, don't. Save it. Invest it in something that's going to expand. Invest it in small business. Invest it in stocks. Put it in a savings account where it can draw interest. Talk to your bank about an IRA. How can you build and grow money? You know, can you go into buying real estate? Maybe not just by yourself. Maybe you do a co-op purchase. I don't know what the case may be. Maybe you'll start up a mobile um, business operation that's low cost for you. But maybe because you generated this little passive income, now you can invest in having your small business. And who knows if you do it right, if you utilize that money from that passive income in the right way, you might end up being able to be totally self-employed. And isn't that a beautiful thing? So this episode has focused on two things. We talked about passive income. We also talked about the power of utilizing your student loans to set yourself up on the credit front if you need financing for any of your visions or anything that you're trying to build and grow in the future. Um, that's the two things that we talked about today. Hit me up at Word of a Rebel. Let me know what other topics you want me to go in on as it pertains to what I call financial activism because we out here, I'm trying to create an army of economically empowered people so that you can move different and move more confidently because you know that you control your space and you control your money. This has been Word of a Rebel. Hit me up on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at Word of a Rebel. Peace.